you've tapped or clicked in to College Volleyball Weekly on Viral Volley Media. Now here's your host, Rob on Mike. With me, Brad Rothstrader of UC San Diego, Dan Friend of Lewis, Theo Edwards of Cal State Northridge, and Jay Hosick of George Mason. Good day, gentlemen, and thanks for coming back on board. So who's ready to chat volleyball this week? <laughs> See, I'm practicing being the hype man in Fairfax. It's not working. Everyone's a little quiet this morning. <laughs> <laughs> We're all tired, Rob. We're all been traveling and playing and getting ready for conference stuff. We're all tired. I know. Oh, Brad, I'm, I'm, it's so hard coming back from Hawaii. I know it's so tough. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's just do some recaps here. The IVA tournament concluded this weekend. Lincoln Memorial Mm -hmm. wins the IVA tournament championship versus Queens fifth year in a row. Um, That was uh, with that, they beat Maryville three in the semis Queens three in the championship match finished the season 22 and four uh, with a program first win over then Number seven, UC Santa Barbara. So a uh, big win for that crew. It's Cole Camposano, Shea Spadaro, Cole Kutch, Matt Gentry, and Lero Tate Colbon. The other middles as well, but we want to give them some love being that their, their season is now complete. Second SIAC tournament occurs this week as well. Fort Valley State University. Oh, wait, you got to hold on. We got, do we get the comment before you jump into the next category? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. Yeah. I need to know. Okay. All right. So no surprise. Uh, I really want, I mean, Lincoln's got a really talented group and Pash does a great job and has been doing a great job. Man, I wish they were in the league. <laughs> I wish that somehow we could get them into the Neva or into some league where they're getting a shot at the national tournament because I think he's done a great job and that program deserves a shot at that and we've seen that. But it, and what happens is we talk about it in the beginning of the year, they get a couple wins, they're doing great things, they got a great record. Uh, they kind of disappear for a little bit because they just they get into their own uh IVA league play and then we talk about them again about where they should be and they've got some talented kids and so I just but compliment to that group winning that again done a great job Jeremy's got the Queens group in the final they'll be going into our league next year uh he's doing some nice things there and uh so yeah and that's Maryville you're referring to correct just so our listeners are clear on that no I, no Queens is who Queens. I was oh, Queens. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I would uh, I would echo that sentiment. I it's a shame that Lincoln's not in a conference and doesn't get a shot to play with the big boys at the big dance. The 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 thing I keep saying is why don't those independents create their own conference? Uh and, and I don't know why that doesn't happen. They're they're you know, people are gonna argue left and right whether or not they deserve to be in the big dance, and they can make those arguments. I'm not gonna say one way or the other. Um, but Clearly, there's a reason why they're not being uh, invited or they're not being accepted one or the other into these conferences and whether it's location or whether it's, you know, the, the, the scope of this program versus the others in a conference, who knows, but they deserve the shot. And un- unfortunately, we're not going to be able to see that this year. Yep. Anyone else want to add on to the IVA tournament recap? Brad or Theo? I think they hit it on the head. Um, they kind of said everything that needs to be said. I mean, LM, LMU's the real deal and uh, had a fantastic season and they got a bunch of a bunch of really nice players some seniors that are going to graduate and and uh but unfortunately yeah like these guys said man these independents they're just not they don't get an opportunity to compete with the best and even though they have a team that clearly can um it would just be nice to see them get an opportunity to have a shot at it 
Yeah. Anything else to add, Brad? No, these guys nailed it. Yeah. All right. Cole Cooch was the was driving that team, and he's a hell of a setter. So, a fun team to watch. Yep. Well, the second SIAC tournament is occurring at Fort Valley State, as I was saying earlier, and I appreciate the add-in there, Dan. I definitely want to get those other conferences out there because we know they're they're doing some good stuff. But the uh, second SIAC tournament's at Fort Valley State, April 20th and 21st. Then you jump over to the NEC, which is now going to be hosted by St. Francis, Pennsylvania, and Loretto, uh, April 19th through 22nd. So, um, you know, the, a lot of volleyball is going to be starting Wednesday. Actually, no, there's some Tuesday, right? A Tuesday night match going on this week. I have yeah. to look back at my notes again. <laughs> well, I think it's so, important to note, like you get you it was interesting. Damon was going into that to win. They were winning regular season for this conference. And they dropped a, a match on Friday to, to Fairleigh Dickinson. Uh, and then they go in and St. Francis uh Rummy and that crew go in and beat them and end up winning regular season for the NEC. Uh, and so I think it was a little bit of a shock. I think we thought Damon was going to kind of ride that. Uh, but kudos to Rummy and his group and putting them, themselves in a good position for that. So, yep. Well, I wanted to get into the meat of our discussion, which I've called the tourney and top 15 talk, the alliteration episode. I felt like after working the uh, match I worked this last weekend, Halir Hanno, Connor Campbell on the stuff, you know, I, all these illiterate Doug Dom of Danville coming back up. So in any case, uh, we're going to start with Amoeba tourney. <laughs> I had to do this before jumping on, but I love seeing what the coaches did in their preseason picks versus what actually happened. So, you know, for the most part, it was right on, but I don't think anyone could have called a three-way tie for first place in the Amoeba. So let's have Dan start out with what happened in conference this year and how conference tournament is going so far, and then have the other guys chime in. Yeah, we touched base a little bit last week. I, I don't think it was a surprise in the sense of uh, the three teams that tied for first. I think Ball State was returning, uh, and ultimately uh, Loyola had a lot of good pieces, and Fox is a great coach that stepped into that. And then I think Birch has been building that group back up for the past few years, and you saw some maturity from that group this year, which was key. Uh, Jacob Pasture is a stud, so uh, he certainly took another year where he got even better with USA Volleyball during the summer. And so... Uh, and then the next grouping, I think, you know, uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne had a great postseason run last year. Uh, and then you saw Linden with an older group that was uh, certainly put in a spot. And you saw us uh, get a little bit better as the season went on. You knew McKendry was young. Uh, and so we're going to talk about that in a second and what they accomplished here this last weekend. And then uh, Quincy's been doing a nice job of, of, of getting better. Um, and Karen's done a really good job of recruiting. You've watched those guys. They've steadily improved. So the league... League is a lot more competitive than it was 10 years ago, and a lot of good coaches doing good things. But if we get into the tournament, I don't know. So you get the most of the upper seeds won except for one, and uh, I think Ohio State took care of business, and Ball State took care of business, and us and Purdue had a great drag-out battle that went 38-36 in the fourth. And then, But you went to McKendree, and they went up to Loyola, and they upset. So uh, and uh, it was a big win, 15-12, and Nikki did a great job, and a couple standouts for that team. Uh, in terms of uh, Wilson, and then uh, I think Wilson had 20 kills, right? And then um, uh, Bryce Gretchen. had 22, Wilson had 21. Yeah, so I think uh, pretty impressive, and uh, really were able to finish at the end. So, but uh, that's why you play, right? Postseason play. No reseed in our tournament, though. If anybody's wondering, we just go. That's kinda... that's the question I did have for you. Do you reseed after that first round? So, no, uh -uh. I'm okay with that. We went five with Ball State both times. We got beat by. 
Ohio State twice, so it's okay. Uh, I don't think I think where we're at's where we're at, and there should be some good matches coming up here this week. Well, you know that's actually a great segue because I wanted to talk those results with your opening comments about the the Miva tournament. But how about you guys? Any thoughts on uh, any of the the quarter opening round matchups? The uh, Quincy Ball State, PFW Lewis, McKendry Loyola. Uh, where's my other one that I'm missing? Oh, there it is. Linden, uh, man, I Quincy Balls. Wow. I got them all. Okay. So any comments on any of those uh, opening round matchups? See some yeah, absolutely. Games? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go Theo. for it. Theo. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I think I called it last week and, and essentially said, man, if Lewis gets hot, uh, you guys need to be concerned. And they obviously did a fantastic job and, and took care of uh, PFW. And I think that PFW team is very good and uh, has some older talent on it. And uh, now it's going to be interesting to see what happens as we move forward. Right. And, and obviously the, the biggest upset and probably the most interesting was McKendry. And I don't know that anybody saw it coming, but to have two guys, uh, Bryce Wetgen and Kyle Wilson, both just absolutely lighted up. 341 for for wet gen and 432 for wilson both those guys over 20 kills 21 and 22 kills um wow i mean that's absolutely incredible and to go five and and get down the stretch with loyola i think they were just incredible in that fifth set um which was i mean to me and i haven't watched a ton of them um but to get hot and to play that type of volleyball at this point in the season is really just a testament to those players and their ability to continue to build and continue to grow as the season went on. And obviously Nikki doing a tremendous job with them, which is really, really cool. Um, but man, the Miva is, is exactly what we hoped it would be, right? Ohio State took care of business. I feel like they're playing some really good ball as of late. Ball State grooving on all cylinders. And now you've got two dark horses, McKendry and Lewis, and uh, I think it's going to be really, really interesting. So incredibly excited to see how this thing pans out. Good call. Anyone else want to jump in and talk about the uh, MIVA? Yeah, uh, let's give kudos to the challenge replay system being used at the Lewis PFW match. There were, <laughs> there were a number of calls that uh, could have ended that fourth set much, much, much earlier. Uh, and thankfully, the challenge replay system was good enough that they could catch those calls. So, you know, the, it, a shout out to all the administrators out there that are pulling those triggers and getting that stuff in their gym. It helps out a lot. That I, I was watching that match live um, and I thought, man, it'd be really cool if we can go a fifth set. Technically, if you do the math, they did go five uh, and you know <laughs> it would have been a 15-13 in the fifth. Uh, but kudos to Dan and his team. They, they pulled it out and it's a lot of fun volleyball to watch. Uh, I think uh, Dietrich uh, should definitely ice his shoulder for the next seven years. Uh, he <laughs> did an awful lot of swinging for that team. Uh, and he's got a really bright future professionally, should he choose to make it. Obviously, the McKenzie match, uh, that is um, some masterful work by uh, Nikki Salen and her team to go into Loyola uh, and to pull that win out. Uh, from everybody, I keep hearing it's the biggest win or biggest upset in MEBA conference playoff history. Dan, you could be the uh, first time a seven beat a two last year, a six beat a three. And that was rock. So. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty cool and pretty impressive. Here's the thing you should think though. Lindenwood almost pulled that off uh, 23, 23 and 23. And I know they lost in three sets, but 
Ohio State, uh, if you're not shaking in your boots right now, having to play McKendry's fighting Bearcats or Wildcats or whatever they are, uh, you should be because that team is coming in and they are riding on some momentum. And Ohio State uh, squeaked that one out. Uh, Lindenwood was a team that at one point this year, we were all talking about um, as being a hot team at the moment. And sure enough, at the end, they played some good volleyball and just missed. If anybody doesn't understand how thin the margins are, that's about as thin as it gets right there. So kudos to all those teams. Listen, Quincy's going to get better in the years uh, to come. I think their coach, Karen Kemner, is going to do some great job there. Uh, but Ball State is humming on all cylinders right now. It'll be interesting to see if they can keep that up. They got the fighting flyers coming in here pretty soon. So it should be fun to watch. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, some great numbers I checked out for McKendry. Bryce Wenchin, 22 kills, hit 341, two aces. Kyle Wilson, 21 kills, had two guys with over 20 kills. That's phenomenal. Uh, great performances by McKendry. And then also Ohio State's Shane Wetzel. I mean, talk about rising the occasion of Michael Wright. That combo since they've been inserting that lineup have really been shaking things up in the Miva. I mean, there was there's a time that the the probably middle of this just right for the middle of the season, we're like, God, oh, what's happening with Ohio State getting some losses they probably shouldn't have. But man, Kevin Birch has really dialed them in and they're ready to go here in the uh, playoffs. So uh, good stuff happened in the Miva. Anything yeah, else we need to I talk think I think Ohio State's in the best spot out of all of them. Um, just with how they're playing and kind of they seem to be trending up. Obviously, Ball State's been really good. We talked about that last week. But, you know, just looking at their numbers, like Wetzel, um, Pastor continues to be one of the better players in the Miva. I think he won Miva Player of the Year. Is something. Yep. Is that what I thought? So uh, I think they're in a really good spot, and I, I see them poised to, to end up taking this um, since we're talking about throwing salt on people. Um, I see them in a good spot to, to potentially take this and really – Looking at the McKendry Lewis, McKendry Loyola match, you saw Loyola basically beat McKendry in every statistical category apart from winning three sets of volleyball. And it was pretty fascinating looking at the numbers and seeing um, just the true test of grit and grime from McKendry um, to find a way to get that done 15, 12 in the fifth. It's uh and how about that? How about that kid? Uh, I forgot his name off the top of my head throwing three tips out of four to go down in that fifth set uh, his last few swings and tipped to win on match point. How many old school dinosaurs are cringing right now going, no, <laughs> not a tip for the win. Oh my God. Crazy. <laughs> well, great insight there. And, uh... well, Brad, I'm glad you mentioned that box score because you know, they were playing at the same time as us and and we pulled up the box score on the bus and every coach in our bus is like, what exactly happened here? Because it just doesn't make sense statistically. But you're right, man. They found a way to win three and that's volleyball. <laughs> well, the week continues on here. Uh, April 19th, you've got Lewis. Actually, everything is going to be at Within Arena, correct? At Ball State? So. We go to Ball State and uh, McHenry goes, goes to Ohio State. State. Oh, State I thought everything State. regathered over at that one place. Okay. Nope. Well, so you got uh, the semis, George. Uh, sorry, uh, Lewis at Ball State, McHenry at Ohio State. So uh, that's going to be on the 19th. So uh, keep an eye on that and look for the streams and pull for your teams as well. Let's uh, jump on to the Big West. I'll just start off by saying every three person that's uh, people or every Person on screen in the Big West this week lost, got swept by the other team they're playing. So, with that, that 
is a very painful week for all of us on the screen, but um, projected Not for Dan advantage. and I. What's that? <laughs> Not for Dan and I. Sixty <laughs> percent of the screen is hurting. So, um, looking at the uh, projected finish, there's only one correction. That was a flip between UC San Diego and CSUN from the preseason poll. But I mean, doesn't matter at this point. You know, we're gonna have to see each other anyways. But uh, talk about last week's results first, and we'll have both of you take a stab at it, then have the other, the non-Big West guys jump in. Uh, and what we can expect to see at the Big West tournament. So let's start with you alphabetically, Brad of UC San Diego. All right, we're looking at Long Beach UCI first um, at the Pyramid. Oh, um, thanks, Long bro. Sweep, UC Irvine, <laughs> of course, I had to throw right back at you. <laughs> uh, Long Beach sweeps them and um, close, but not that close um, and pretty steady. And Long Beach just playing pretty clean, pretty consistent. And then where it gets interesting is Saturday night in the Bren, UC Irvine, Long Beach State go five. Um, and why I think that gets so interesting is because obviously the Big West tournament is going to be in the Bren. Um, that's a potential matchup. Um, I know someone on this screen is hoping that matchup doesn't come up um, in fruition. But I think that Long Beach Irvine matchup is, is potentially something we're going to see and um, I think if we're getting a five set thriller like that, that's going to be a really good showing um, for the Big West and just for high level men's volleyball, regardless who ends up in that semifinal. Um, so I think it was really interesting to see that and kind of see the adjustments from match to match and then seeing that potentially have to play out again in a week is is going to be really fun. Well, I'll have to say, thank you for not mentioning that it was a reverse sweep because that was the most painful part about it going up 2 0 strong and then losing the next three. But uh, yeah, I, I don't want to relive it. So let's just go over to Theo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Brett, Brad hit some nice points there. Um, you know, obviously Hawaii and Long Beach get buys that first round uh, for the MPSF, or sorry, for the Big West. And um, in general, I think both of those teams are playing pretty well um, for, for Long Beach to be able to get those two wins that they got over Irvine. I think that was really the the biggest question uh, coming into this was, was Irvine going to be able to, to knock those guys off and potentially change the seating. Um, but for Long Beach to kind of hold steady and, and get those wins, I thought that was really, really important for them. Um, and then obviously Santa Barbara is going to be facing off against San Diego. And as we know, those teams split throughout the year and, um, you know, Santa Barbara, I'll say they're, they're playing a lot better than they were playing early in the season. And specifically, I mean, we know they've got six seniors on that roster and, uh, we actually sat there through their sent through their senior night and to hear the accolades of what some of these players have achieved throughout their careers is, is quite impressive. Um, not to mention the two-time All-American and Wilcox who with Walmer, has Walmer has really come a long way throughout this year. And I think his first year starting was a little bit shaky in, in the beginning half. And um, through the second half, he's really started to dial in a bit, not still not playing perfect ball, but has dialed in a little bit better with the setting and, and was able to uh, get Wilcox going, which I think is kind of been the key to that team, right? If Wilcox is, is hitting under a hundred or, you know, or worse, which he has multiple times this season, uh, then you ask yourself a lot of questions is, is can they win? And, and this weekend against us, uh, he played pretty well. That first first night, he was able to hit 556. Second night, we held him under 250. And um, it was a much more competitive match. But 
Um, I think with him humming on all cylinders, I think they've got a shot. And it'll be interesting to see if they can do that. Tudorov was back in the lineup, uh, still not himself, but it, I think for the team and an emotional perspective, it was, I think it was nice for them to have him back in the lineup, which was pretty nice. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I think it's going to be us against Irvine, obviously. And Rob, I'm looking forward to that matchup. I think it's, you know, listen, I'm keeping well, the hat. what's that? I'm keeping the hat until after <laughs> <Yeah>. the match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that, uh, you know, I think Irvine is, is playing some really good ball right now. And, uh, you know, us coming in towards the end, I feel like to a certain extent, we we've been hobbling a bit, uh, you know, this weekend, we got a little bit of a spark out of Luke Krismarzik, who has not been in the lineup all year. Uh, but Kyle Hobus has been incredibly banged up and has not been playing all that great of late and gave Luke an opportunity. And he hit, I think, close to 350 on the week. Um, wow. was really, really effective on the right side. And uh, we were able to move Kyle to the left and have him play a little bit of a different role. And he did some nice things on night two. Uh, but our team is our team is uh, poised and excited to play uh, Irvine in the Brent Center. Excellent. Looking forward to seeing all you guys this week. I wanted to ask, though, obviously the UC Santa Barbara General Hospital has released some of the Santa Barbara players because Ben Court was also back out there and obviously yeah. Donovan Todorov. So, I mean, that helps Rick and the team that no one wants to play, Brad gets to play. So we're uh, looking at this opening round here. Um, <clears throat> I just want one more note on the uh, Long Beach Irvine matchup. You know, a couple of things I noticed, Godbold, extremely consistent. I mean, he's a great go-to guy, great athlete at that oppo side for the beach. And everyone knows about Satiris Shapanis, but man, that guy just gets it done. Just throw up a ball his direction. He's going to make something happen and score for you. And man, that was one of the most frustrating things. He's like Taylor Crabb when he's playing for the beach. Ain't, oh, who's this 6'1 guy coming out of the back row? He just bicked you to death. So 6'1? You, know, you got him on stilts? That guy was like 5'11". It's ridiculous. That, on a good, good hair day, he was pulling the Fletch, okay? I only gave him two inches on the Fletch hair, hairdo. So, um, But I'll just say, Simon Torwey in the middle, you know, I was like, oh, how's this outside converted mill going to perform? He touched so many balls. He's, like, owning the net, it seemed like. He was, he's so big, even on the bigs. So he'd do a mini jump on the middle and be right back up for a big block on the big. So, you know, that's a big uh, defensive uh, threat for Long Beach State. So uh, anything else add, gentlemen, on the uh, Big West for the non-Big West guys? That's uh, Dan and Jay. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's obvious right now that Hawaii and Long Beach are the two favorites. Irvine uh, is thankful that they have Carlos. Uh, who can put a ball up in a good spot. It's a two-headed monster in Sonny and Heno. If Cole Gillis can just remain to be the role player that he is and just, you know, maybe get a handful of sets to set and can put a few of those away, he doesn't have to lead the charge. He just has to do his job of keeping everybody else at bay uh, and and uh, and take some pressure off the other two guys. But it's as Heno and Sonny go. If both of them are having good nights, UC Irvine's really, really tough to beat. If, if one of them is having an iffy night, all of a sudden they become one-dimensional, it could be a little bit of a challenge. Yep. Uh, so first round starts Thursday, April 20th with a semis back-to-back-to-back -back -back nights on a Friday, April 21st, and Saturday, the championship match. And those, uh, I believe, will be on ESPN Plus for the first two, and then ESPNU with former College Volleyball Weekly and Net Live podcaster Kevin Barnett and Paul Sunderland on the call on that Friday championship match. Yes. So uh, 
And I think the tough part, Rob, is that your team there shot themselves in the foot at the at-large bid. They needed to win one of those. And yeah. So, uh, I think uh, yeah, they win one of those. They put them in a better spot. They lose both, though. I think um, I do think their way to get to the tournament is they got to they gotta win. You know what I mean? But, man, they got they got to get past Theo. So, I don't know what's going to happen there. You know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> so like I said, I'm we keeping the hat until the end. We need more spots in the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> It's always going to be the snub, but that's another whole episode in itself. We should do the snub episode <laughs> and just bring our own salt shakers and just start throwing them everyone's way. <laughs> so uh, let's go to the Conference Carolinas and uh, essentially final results, as everyone predicted, North Greenville and Erskine took care of business. But it's funny looking at the, uh, oh, I thought I pasted, I did the comparison of the conference finishes, but the uh, Conference Carolinas starts Tuesday with Mount Olivet King. Lee's McCray at Belmont Abbey. And the winner of that will face, uh, well, four or five of that with, faces North Greenville on Friday and the winner of the 3-6 versus Erskine. But thoughts on the Conference Carolinas tournament after seeing this final week of play uh, in the Conference Carolinas. Anyone want to take a stab? Well, I will start. Good to go. go. I, think, I think they're poised to take this and I think it'll be a great matchup, North Greenville-Erskine. Um, I know the Erskine-King or probably the Erskine King matchup will be really interesting. Um, and Erskine's going to be real battle tested getting through that. But I thought North Greenville was pretty clean this week and we'll kind of keep staying poised to, to earn that, earn that AQ. We'll yep. see if King gets past Mount Olive. I got a former alumni coach in a Mount Olive. And uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to give him some love and maybe uh, say Omar Sanchez is going to get his group to pull the upset. Uh, um, and they're, they're playing pretty well of late too, Dan. Yeah. Uh, so they're not too bad. They've got a little bit better the past uh, two or three weeks of season. So, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, I, you're probably right. North Greenville is poised to do it again, I think. So, Anything else to add on Conference Carolinas? Nope. They're, nope. The, they're the favorites. All right. So that moves us down to the EIVA, to Jay's conference. So final week of conference play action. Let's just let Jay have at it because he's like a songbird, just likes to sing. <laughs> I have the world's worst singing voice, so that will not happen. Uh, you know, in the beginning of the year, uh, the, the the preseason had obviously Penn State number one. I think Princeton was number two, NJIT three, uh, Charleston four, Harvard five, and us six. Um, and the way it finished out, uh, relatively close, except I think the two biggest movers were NGIT finished in last and we finished in fourth. Um, and us to second or third place are only a couple of, of match differences. So that, and we went five with a couple of those teams that were ahead of us that, you know, potentially could have switched some things around. The, the thing I think to keep in mind is Penn State's the favorite, obviously. Uh, but you've obviously seen last year, if they hiccup, if things aren't humming on all cylinders, or if somebody else just has a phenomenal night, you never know what can happen. This first week matchups, I think, are it's us versus Harvard. We just swept both matches or, or won both matches this past weekend up there. So we feel confident going into that one. But Harvard has some good players, uh, and they're not to be overlooked. Uh, I think the biggest one is going to be uh, Charleston and NJIT. Uh, Charleston beat NJIT both uh, times they saw them this year for the first time in program history. They even won a match from them. 
Uh, but NJIT is not a bad team if they're all healthy. I think that's going to be the question mark. But Princeton and, and Penn State are waiting in the wings. If Princeton's Harrington has a good couple of nights and he's serving BBs off the end line, he is extremely dangerous. Um, but in, in Penn State, obviously, is Penn State. If Wildman has slowed down a little bit in recent weeks, but Michael Koval is stepping up. Uh, and Cal Fisher, obviously, is Cal Fisher. But Koval is the unsung hero in my eyes here because you, you, you don't overlook him, but you don't put a lot of uh, onus on going after that guy specifically to slow him down. He's kind of a role player. But, man, he is doing a great job keeping him in system. And he's, <clears throat> excuse me. And he's hitting for good numbers. Uh, and you, at the end of the match, you're looking at the stats and you're going, man, how, wh- what is this guy doing? We didn't catch this. And, you know, he's he's now becoming the guy that they can lean on a little bit. So um, I think I think Penn State's a favorite. I think that's an obvious. But the match is going into that. You know, anybody can be anybody we've seen this year. Uh, and it'll be exciting to see who comes out of this one. Well, Jay, I just want to mention that Michelle Koval hit 625 on night one versus Charleston. And then he kind of cooled off a little bit night, night two, 522. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and led it's, in kills both nights. Yeah. No, he's he's the kid that at, at the beginning of the year, he and Valenzi were splitting a lot of time. Uh, and depending on how either one was doing was dependent upon who was going to start the next match or who was going to finish off. So, um, but yeah, he's, he's a good little player. He's fiery. All right. Let's let the other guys chime in. Who's who wants to take a stab at the EIVA uh, conference tournament anyone want to jump in yeah i'll jump in here um i think charleston in ngit is going to be a really uh interesting matchup uh ngit has some has some nice players and i feel like for this year it's been it's been a little bit of a disappointment i know that most of us pegged them to be a little bit better of a team uh when 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 the engines got running but charleston you know i think they've had a little bit of dents to their armor as well and, you know, early on in the season, they had a nice undefeated run and, uh, you know, we're playing some really, really great ball and they're obviously capable of doing that. But uh, I think NJIT is, is very possible that they make an upset in that match. It'll be interesting to watch. Uh, I think uh, Jay is going to be riding his surfboard against Harvard. We just got a preview of that. Um, they licked him twice and I think they're going to lick him a third time. So <laughs> then it's going to come down to what happens after that. And, uh, Penn State and Princeton, I think, are both obviously good teams. More, a little bit different than what we saw last year with Princeton kind of being a, an underrated seed that came up. Princeton started playing a little bit better ball earlier this time around, and they've been playing really, really great of late. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with these two teams. And, and obviously, George Mason is playing the best ball they've played all year. And so to me, I see three teams that are going to be battling out for the finish. And um, you know, Penn State's the obvious favorite, but my dark horses are George Mason and Princeton. I think it's going to be awesome. Yep. Hey, what else, uh, Brad or Dan, about EIBA? You just when people talk about 500 hitting percentage, we're talking about it's like it is amazing when you look at all the stats over the past year and a half how these outsides hitting percentages are hitting like middles used to hit you know what I mean and middles are hitting like six or seven hundred so it's just a different topic we could talk about another time but it's pretty impressive I just want to let you know I had to change platforms here because the power went out in the building uh I guess we lose forgot to pay their bill I don't, I don't know 
But yesterday it was 80, and today it's snowing. Welcome to Chicago. Dude. No, you're, you're experiencing a California brownout is what's going on there, Dan. <laughs> yes, I don't know. So, uh, But I, I think uh, Mason's got the first round. I, that Charleston-NJIT matchup, man, I don't know. I, I think if um, Danny's got his guys healthy, Charleston's going to have their hands full. But I, I think Charleston pulls it out. Uh, but I, I hate to say it, but I think I'm calling Princeton and Penn State in the finals. Uh, and uh, I think Pavs, even though I think last week I thought Princeton might get the upset, I don't know. Pavs group, I think they're going to be pretty resilient. They're going to make their way back to the tournament, I think. So, yep, good call. Brad, anything to add? No, I think I think the match to watch, uh, obviously, the NGIT Charleston, but whoever gets out of that NGIT or Charleston, I actually think Charleston will, will sneak out of that. But I could see whoever wins that keeping it rolling into the semis and upsetting Princeton. And wow. that that's the match that I'm going to be watching and, and checking in on and and seeing what happens there. But then I think regardless of whoever's working their way through it, I think they hit the buzzsaw of Penn State. And like Dan said, those guys are poised and they all remember what happened last year. And they've been real mature and real steady all year long. And I I don't see them letting that slip again. So I have to give a shout out to Sam Schweisky and his Princeton guys because guys really shaking it up there, Harrington and the Wedbush Bros. Yep. So uh, looking forward to what they can do, and I, I can't help but think about what happened last year with Princeton's, you know, winning the the tournament and knocking Penn State out. I'm like, man, you got to go in with a serious chip in your shoulder this week if you're Penn State. And I know speaking to Wildman earlier in the season at the uh, first point challenge, it's like they're like. Oh, they, that ain't happening again. <laughs> just, he had that look like that's not going to happen this year. So I'm um, looking forward to a very exciting uh, EIVA tournament. Um, that leaves uh, one other conference we need to discuss. And uh, they're not represented here on the screen. So we're all going to take a stab at it. That's MPSF. I mean, wow. Who would have called? Well, everyone knew UCLA is going to finish atop top of that. But what happened there all underneath was just, Totally <laughs> unexpected. So um, let's see. So it's going to be hosted at Stanford. We've known that from the beginning, <clears throat> but, and we also knew that UCLA is going to be number one, but the shuffle between there, BYU, I actually had them finishing fifth in my preseason poll. So let's let uh, one of you guys take a stab at the final week of MPSF play. If anything caught out, uh, stuck out match wise, and what we should expect to see here in the tournament. He, like, I'll be I'll be brief with mine. I think everybody knew UCLA was going to have a good year. There were certain teams at certain points in this year that got hot. Uh, one of them was Grand Canyon starting out the year. Uh, and then uh, Stanford as of recent and BYU uh, as of recent are the two teams that are hot now. Uh, BYU obviously being the one that, that took Stanford this weekend. I think BYU is the dark horse. Uh, and it's hosted though at Stanford and Stanford's good at home. So those three teams, I think are the three that, uh, are going to make, uh, to, to at least obviously to the semis, but to the finals of those three teams, um, don't overlook Concordia and do not overlook, uh, uh, Grand Canyon because Grand Canyon, I think might be a little tired. I think that, that the same guys have been playing and they're a little bit worn out. Uh, we'll see how they go, but, uh, yeah, I wouldn't look over, over the game, but, but BYU right now is my dark horse. Ooh, look at that. All right. Who's up? Uh, uh, so 
here's an interesting thing. If Grand Canyon loses to Pepperdine in the first round, like Pepperdine was that team in the beginning of the year where we're talking about Jalen Jasper and player of the year candidate. And, but if Grand Canyon loses that, like, there's another team that's going to shoot themselves in the foot with their at large. I mean, they got to get past the first round, I think. So I think, I think that's pretty important from that match, but I'm kind of with Jay. I think BYU has poised themselves pretty good. They put themselves in a good spot. I don't think they beat UCLA, but I think BYU makes it to the final. And I think BYU gets the at-large, uh, which would be pretty key in terms of that. Cause I think the other at-large is coming out of the big West uh, from that standpoint. So uh, unless two teams get upset and you might have two at-larges coming out of the big West, but uh, yeah, I think you got a couple of really good matches and yeah, Jay said it though. Stanford's playing at home. Uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if Concordia can knock BYU back a little bit on a game or two. And but BYU's been playing pretty good. So, but my pick is UCLA in the end. Yep. And last week, I saw BYU playing well, and then they obviously went on and and held it strong against uh, Stanford at home um, at BYU this past weekend. And I think BYU continues to trend up, and I, I see them in the final as well against UCLA. And where, I, where it gets interesting, the 3-6 matchup, Stanford-USC, early on in the year, um, what was it? We got Stanford 1-4 and four, and then lost in 5 at SC. And that match gets really, really interesting. And I think USC is starting to put some things together. It looks like they have a new lineup with Cobrine on the right um, and um, Dylan Klein on the left and then another – outside hitter I forget his name off the top of my head it'll come to me um and I I wouldn't be surprised to see that upset there and seeing USC take down Stanford in the first round and and really kind of throw a wrench in the MPSF tournament up at Stanford and Palo Alto and then Concordia BYU Concordia's always been pretty feisty and pretty competitive with BYU um and I want to say there was an upset in the past at a at a tournament, or maybe I'm thinking of a regular season match, but I could see that happening. But if BYU fights that off, then I see them getting to the final um, and taking on UCLA and what I think could be a pretty darn good battle, but UCLA finishing a top. Yep. Theo. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with a lot of what Brad was talking about. And, you know, you look at this across the board this past week, I thought USC played really well and keeping Concordia at bay. Um, with this new lineup that they have going on, I thought both Klein and uh, Cobrian were operating at a really, really high level. Um, I think that first night, uh, Cobrian hit 324, uh, Dylan Klein hit 333, both of them with over 15 kills. Uh, the second time around, um, it was even better. And I think Cobrian ended up hitting uh, 538 kills, hit 538. Uh, Klein hit 531 with 18 kills. Uh, so they're playing really, really great. And then obviously Stanford the, coming off of some loss. Go ahead, Brad. The other outside is Jackson Reed. I just want to get that out there. Yeah. Yeah, which which Jackson Reed can play some ball too. Um, and having uh, Stanford coming off of a couple of losses, and even though they're losing to a team that, you know, like BYU is playing pretty well, it doesn't feel great. I think the the nice piece for them is that they get to be at home um, against this USC, USC team. And I think that's going to be a really, really, it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a really, really exciting match to watch. Um, with Concordia and BYU, I think that's going to be interesting, right? Batista, that opposite for, for CUI, uh, with him, anything can happen. And he could, he could give you a 400, 500 level hitting night. And that could be a really, really tough match for BYU. And my guess is they're preparing for that and scouting him out to see what they can do. 
And then Pepperdine in, in Grand Canyon, again, Pepperdine, similar to CUI, you're going to be looking at the box score to see what did Jalen Jasper do. And if Jalen Jasper has the production that he's capable of having a 400, 500 level match, they could for sure beat that Grand Canyon team who has not been playing great towards the back half of this season. So I think that's going to be really, really exciting. We all know that all, all of these rows will end at UCLA. Um, I think UCLA is going to win this tournament. And I think they're going to be really, really poised as they head into the, uh, to the NCAA finals. Oh, good call. Well, as the non-coach on the screen, I wanted to ask you guys, because Grand Canyon was, you know, with seven teams being the MPSF, they basically had a week off. Does that hurt or help them? Help. 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 Anyone else? Help. help. Everyone's helped so far. The same players for them have been playing pretty much all year long. They need a break. Yeah. All right. And then the other one is uh, Stanford at BYU. I thought Stanford had the best chance of taking out BYU, but you know, the two players have constantly come up and even uh, talking to uh, Olmstead at the beginning of the season, he's like, I have no star players. It's everyone contributing, but you always see Luke Benson and Mix Romanis have been such solid performers for the Cougars this year. And I, uh, you know, they are so steady. You know, they're, they're not getting the big numbers, but they're always double digits and they're always making the big plays. So uh, that, that's a scary number two team to play. Well, and BYU is always good at home. So it's, it's a massive home court advantage for them. But I think that, you know, everyone's like, well, how about their traveling? I feel like they're probably the best traveling team this year. Uh, well, BYU team this year. So, but that's just from a outsider perspective. And then a uh, final topic or not topic, but one thing I, I've recognized this whole season is Merrick McHenry has got to be in that player of the year conversation because although he's not getting the most kills, most points, you look at his hitting efficiency, his blocking and the way he's getting those kills done, he's playing so high above the net and uh, he's always top two, three on the team contribution wise, point wise. But I mean, he is doing some phenomenal stuff for the Bruins. And he's a smaller middle. He's what six, five at best. Now granted he jumps and touches. I think the last time I heard it was about 18 feet. Uh, which definitely helps out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that, that helps out. But when you jump that well, and you are small, you have to make really good decisions because you can't be popping around and try to catch up because you hang so long. If you commit with the middle and then come down by the time you land, after you jump that high, the ball is already attacked on the pin. So he makes really good decisions. And that's, you know, that's a testament to his training and his work. Because he's making those smart decisions first. Yeah, I had to look it last up. Time a middle, last time middle was a player of the year well, would maybe be Brad Keenan. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, wow. Uh, well, uh, I, I had to look it up. He's listed at 6'7". I'm like, my goodness. He just, every time you see pictures of him, I feel like he's like 6'10". No. No, <laughs> he's not that tall. He's 6'5", I think, at best. <laughs> well, to they're, your they're point, Bob, I don't, know, I don't know how you can give it to him without giving it to Ethan Champlin and the way that that guy's the, the backbone of that team in so many ways. And every time the lineup changes, Ethan Champlin doesn't, uh, he's been in the mix every single set, maybe every single match. Um, quite interesting. The, the, and talk about undersized Jesus Christ. And they've been, and they've been running with one setter the whole year. That's, I mean, man, bubble wrap that kid. <laughs> What do you mean they have, you, they have your former boy there, the Jay? American committee. Say what? Is anybody on here on the All American committee? 
Yeah, you'll have to. I'm not on it anymore, so you'll have to clue us in when you get there next week with what uh, where some of that stuff is at, and uh, to be honest. And, oh. Yep, absolutely, I will. Now for uh, conference awards, when are you guys gonna? Well, we know the the Mivas already. Jacob Pasher, Player of the Year, Coach Year John Hawks, and Freshman of the Year Shane Wetzel of Ohio State. And then you can you guys can look up online on MivaVolleyball.com the the first and second team. But how about for your conferences, uh, Big West and uh, EIVA? They come out this week for us. Yeah, same for Big West, right? I imagine. Yep. And MPSF, and we're waiting for um, Conference Carolina still as well. So uh, with that, uh, anything else we need to mention about the MPSF tournament and the MPSF? All right, with that, I'm going to pose this question to you. If you are on a stranded island with the worst bandwidth available and could only watch one match this week, what would it be? <laughs> Let's go with Brad. Because he looks like he's thinking hard. I mean, I am thinking hard. Okay, we'll go with two matches. It's a tough week. Oh, what? Okay. Oh, you got to stick to one. Oh, right, stick to one. one. We'll keep one. <laughs> I'm going the... Uh, I'm going the Princeton versus the Charleston NGIT winner. Oof. Okay. Good one. All right, let's go down to Jay. I'm watching McKendry, Ohio State. Ooh, look at that. The, fly, the fighting Sandlins are going into Columbus this weekend. <laughs> All right, go up to Theo. This is a tough one, um, but I think I got to go with Pepperdine and GCU. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> I think I, I, think I got to go there. I, Dan, your match was second. And I honestly, if I had split screen, I would watch your match second. So <laughs> <laughs> limited Why? bandwidth, limited bandwidth on a uh, stranded island. <laughs> and let's go to Dan. Well, no, I was going to do Pepperdine and Grand Canyon because I think it has tournament implications. Um, but uh, the other one probably would. Uh, uh, Stumped him. Look at that. Uh, well, just because they took all three of the ones I probably would have watched. So, yeah, I'm just... <laughs> So um, you can say the same one and give another reason. How about that? Well, I think I, well, the Pepperdine Grand Canyon has tournament implications, and I just want to see what uh, NJIT does to Charleston. I think uh, Charleston's uh, had a couple of tough matches lately, but they're a talented group. So, um, so I, don't know, I, I think all three really good matches that they picked that I would watch as well, and maybe use my analog phone to call them and see if they would share information with me while I was on the stranded island. <laughs> Well, I'm going to pick Ball State and Lewis. And the reason why is because I feel like both teams are really ticking up right now. Um, their performance has been really good towards the tail end of the season. And especially with that three-way tie for first place in the Miva, it's just, it's intriguing how that all came about. I don't think I've ever seen three, a three-way tie for first place. Uh, we had a two-way tie for first place in the Big West, but it's still not three. And uh, your guys, Christian Prayer and Max Rocky have been playing well at the end of the season here, Dan. And, uh, Caleb Janess also stepping it up. And of course, Tina Ishii and, De and Davos Acheva. Uh, I mean, who doesn't love that name and love seeing his name in the in the box scores? So, hey, Dan, clear something up for me, please. Is yeah. it Max Roque or Max Rocky? Uh, Max Rocket. Rocky. Got it. <laughs> I say Rocket, but Rocky. The rocket. Got it. <laughs> rocket sounds so much better in my, you know, I just like <laughs> it's Max Rocky. 
And with that, let's always end the episode with our coaches pick player of the week. And uh, we'll go, we'll let Dan go first since we stumped him with the last surprise question. Oh, there's so many good ones though. Like I'm going to go okay. with Ryan Wilcox. I was going to say you can name two because it's, you know, it's the last uh, regular season. You can't name one. two. No, no. Oh, I, no. One, right? I thought Ryan Wilcox, we haven't said his name in a while. He had a great weekend. Sorry, Theo. He had a great weekend doing <laughs> what he was doing and his production. And uh, I think he's a key cog in that team and their success. And um, I've always liked him as a player. It's pretty dynamic. So, yeah. All right. Ryan Wilcox of UC Santa Barbara. Got it. Jay, you're up. Kyle Wilson, 21 kills, 432. Can help that team lead to the victory uh, lap against number two Loyola. Big win for McKendry, largely because of that kid. All right. Go Theo. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with uh, with Kevin Cobrine. Um, I mean, that guy was electric, right? Three, thir- 324 the first night and 500 the second night. So fantastic play by him. Yeah, and then to Brad. Dane Wetzel, 17 kills, 464. Freshman of the year and doing it in the postseason. Good stuff. I'm going to throw one in this week. Dylan Klein, because one phenomenal freshman, 16 kills first night, 333. Then he hit over 500 the next night. So, uh, And the guy's just been a solid offensive threat for USC all season long. I mean, they've been banged up. They've had some changes, but yet Dylan Klein is the one that's still banging away. So. Yep. Uh, with that, gentlemen, good luck this week, except Theo. That's been the theme this week a bunch of times on a few episodes. <laughs> I'll throw the salt on that one. Uh, that's Brad Ross of UC San Diego, Theo Edwards of Cal State Northridge. You have Jay Hosick of George Mason and Dan Fran of Lewis. And be sure to catch questions with Coach. I don't know if you're going to have one this week because of playoffs, but uh, great episodes on your social, Dan. Oh, thanks. No, we do it. We're still doing it. And if anybody's a winner next Monday, I think we're all going to be feeling pretty good, just so you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. gentlemen, good luck this week. Enjoy the rest of your days. Thanks for listening to College Volleyball Weekly. Be sure to follow Rob Espero at the Rob on the Mic on Instagram and at Rob on the Mic on Twitter. <laughs>